0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Great to see you all, and thank you very much as usual for your for your warm, enthusiastic welcome when we come. We really appreciate that, and we really appreciate your prayers for us. Um, I don't think you've noticed, but all the latest cars have these sort of automatic wipers, and they have automatic lights, and they have cruise control and they have need-to-break warnings, and they have reversing aids, all this sort of thing. All you've actually got to do is just steer the thing. I often say to my wife, oh, I'm on that cruise control, now. i just wake me up when we get there, sort of thing. And when you stop off at a motorway service station and other public places, have you noticed you don't have to turn the lights on or off? It all happens automatically or even the taps. You know, you go in the, in the loo and you go to wash your hands and the taps are just kind of there. And I sort of look at these things and I think, where's the thing I have to twiddle to get the water on? You know? Then I look at everybody else and they're all going, like this, under the taps to get the water. And then you take your hands away and it stops. You know? And, of course, I always have to get the tap that nothing actually comes out of, you know, so I'm sort of standing there like an idiot doing this sort of thing, or, or waiting until somebody's moving, sort of sliding down to this one. I'm not such, such quite an idiot. Anyway, I was in the, um, I think it was a Birch Hanger Services the other week, and I, there in the tap, and you know, I thought, oh, no problem. So I put my hands on the, nothing. Moved along to the next one, put my hands underneath that, nothing. Tried this one, nothing. And I thought, what's going on here? They can't all not be working. And then I suddenly realised that the face of the stem of the tap was this little black button thing that I hadn't noticed. On this occasion, you have to press this button and then the water comes on. So, if that happens to you, you know got Look for the black button down the bottom <laughs> and you won't feel quite, quite such an idiot. So you can press that on and, you know, the water will come out. Now, can you see what this is saying? It seems to me to be giving us a pretty clear message. And this message is that neither you nor I is considered responsible enough to drive our cars and even bother to put the lights on at night, or even bother to put the wipers on when it's raining, or even bother... To actually switch lights off when we finish with them or turn taps off when we finish with them. None of us is responsible enough to use the facilities properly. That's what it seems to be saying to me. Now, in contrast to this, the parable that we're going to be looking at together this morning, the parable of the talents, teaches us that God does hold us personally responsible. God does hold us personally responsible and accountable for using the abilities that he's given us. So we're going to take a fresh look. I know it's a very familiar parable, and that's the problem with the parables. We we know all about them, so we don't look at them. But I'll tell you what, every time I look at the parables, I seem to God seems to put something different into my heart about it. So we're going to take a fresh, and we're going to take a deeper look at this familiar story. So if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 25 starting at verse 14. Now the talk that I'm going to give you this morning is actually taken from uh, one of my books, this one called Pointed and Personal. Pointed and Personal is about all the parables or virtually all of them that are in the Gospels and it comes with questions to discuss in small groups. So if you're a small group leader and you've got one of those weeks and you think, oh, what are we going to do that week? I've got a gap. Well, this sort of book would be good for you to have on the shelf. So you could pull it down, take out the power, but it's got all the questions there. All the answers are in the chapter. It's also got a section called the Personal Prayer and Reflection. So when you read it, you could use it as part of your daily readings. And hopefully it all explains it to you there. These copies I'm giving you at a special price of only £6. You'll find most paperbacks these days are at least a tenner. Um, And uh, I've signed them for you. And if you want me to personalise them, or you might want to buy somebody one for Christmas, I don't know, then I'm quite happy to do that. But You'll have to ask me to do that. I have already signed them. So, and if you honestly can't afford it, have a word with Dave and we'll sort something out. Okay? I don't want anybody going away thinking I would like a copy of that book and just not having it because you can't afford it. I, I don't want that to happen. So, Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14 tells us about these talents. Now, what was a talent? You know what a talent was? Well, a talent was a unit of weight. It was a unit of weight, was around about 75 pounds which I like in old money because I can't do kilograms, but if you can, it's 34. (laughs) I noticed the latest new international version calls them bags of gold. So it's got the talents of the bags of gold. which doesn't quite have that sort of ring to it for me anyway, so I I prefer the parable of the talents. I mean, nowadays the word means ability, doesn't it? When we think of talent, we think of ability, we think of gift. But that meaning comes directly from this parable. It didn't mean that before Jesus used it in this particular way. Now the talents represent two things. They represent the abilities that God has given us, that's pretty obvious, but also they represent the time and other resources (laughs) that we have at our disposal with which we can serve God. So that's what the talents are representing in the parable. Now as we read the parable, see if you notice three main themes coming up. The first is God's expectations. What God expects. Second theme, individual responsibility. And the third one is accountability. Accountability to God. So, expectations, responsibility, and accountability. So, let's read through the parable. Again, Jesus said, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants, and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See? Here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, the first thing we notice is that the master is going to be away for a considerable length of time. Look at verse 14 and verse 19. And then we see in verse 15... How he gives out the talents. So we've got one who's given five, one who's given two, one who's given one. And immediately I cry, unfair! Oh, unfair! Oh, to give one of them five, another one two, and a third one only one talent, that's not fair. Until you realise, until you realise the significance of the phrase that follows, quote, each according to to his ability, each according to his ability. You see, the master was aware. The master was aware of the capabilities of each of his servants, and so he entrusts them with the amount he knows that they'll be able to handle, that they'll be able to cope with. It's not, as first sight might suggest, some sort of perverse handicapping system He gets five, he gets two, he only gets one. It's not about giving one servant an advantage or a disadvantage over another. It's rather done because, you see, the master has their personal interests at heart. Now, the word you read in verse 14, entrusted, entrusted these talents. This is very significant. It is significant for three main Reasons. First of all, because it implies that the talents that we have, which are a gift from God, actually still belong to Him. Look at verse 25. Those talents actually still belong to God. So what does this mean for us? This means that we are caretakers, or managers, if you like, of these talents, And are responsible to God for how they are used. Secondly, it's important because entrusted speaks of God's trust and confidence in us, and that's shown by the fact that He gives us all talents. Each one of us has talents. Each one of us has abilities. They come from God, and God leaves us to work out how best to use them. So it's like we're the managers of the talents that belong to him, but which he has given to us. And thirdly, entrusted is significant because it means that God is relying on us to make an impact for the kingdom of God in society by means of these natural gifts, as they are used under the power of his spirit and under his direction. Each one of us has been entrusted, entrusted with gifts from God. How do I know what my gifts are then? How do I know? Well, I would ask you, what do you do naturally? What do you enjoy doing? Submit those talents, submit those abilities to God and he will bless them. And he will give opportunities for you to use them in his service. You see, all abilities are equally important and necessary to the work of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is so wide-ranging. One person can't do it all. Two people can't. Ten people can't. A hundred people can't. It's so wide-ranging. We all need one another. And the abilities that each one of us has got to make a team, if you like, that can do great things for God in the community in which he's placed us. There's no ranking of the gifts either. Right? Just because somebody stands up front doesn't mean that their abilities are greater than somebody who, you, who wouldn't be seen dead up front. But has other abilities that can be used behind the scenes more so. They're all of equal value. There is no ranking. So we see the master goes off, verse 15, and he expects them to get on with it. Now here's something interesting. He doesn't leave them any instructions. He doesn't give them any specific instructions about how they are to use their talents. He leaves them to their own devices. And not only that, when he's away, he doesn't send them any letters. He doesn't ask for interim reports. He doesn't say, how are the talents doing? He just leaves that there's no attempt to communicate with them doesn't ask for progress reports they know what's expected of them and they have to take the initiative they have to take the initiative in what they do with the talents each one of them is required to accept their own individual responsibility to make something of what they've been given And so we have two key words here, really important initiative and responsibility. Which means for us that we need to pray for and look out for opportunities. Opportunities to use them. Not kind of sit back and wait till something happens. We are to get out there and look at situations where we can use our abilities. It gives rise to some very challenging situations or questions at least they're challenging for me. I don't know, they may not be for you, but I find them challenging like, when was the last time I actually took the initiative and asked if I could use my gifts in a particular area of church life? Dave would love to be overwhelmed by people saying, can I do this? Can I do that? Can I do the other? I'm sure he could. When was the last time I saw a need and used my talent to meet it Instead of leaving it to somebody else. Oh, they'll do it. They're better at it. I'll sit down. When was the last time I realised that with the gifts I had, I could contribute to a whole <laughs> new area of ministry, which would expand the work of the kingdom of God through this church and in this district and in this community? And underpinning it all, do I take seriously the responsibility I have? The responsibility I have before God for using the talents he's given me. And you may be sitting there thinking, come on, Ray, of course I do. Okay, well let me ask you this then. Why is it that 20% of the people do 80% of the work? Now that's not mine. I don't know what happens in this church. This is one of the great things about coming from outside. I can say anything and you get away with it. <laughs> Why is it 20% of the people finish up doing 80% of the work? Every, every uh, survey that's taken shows this to be a fact. All churches, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. How can that be if we know the parable of the talents and we take it seriously? And we understand what it's getting at. So, how did these three servants measure up to those twin requirements of, on the one hand, initiative, and the second, responsibility? How do they measure up? Well, I've got a word for each one of them, beginning with the letter I, which, for me, sums them up in this regard. The one who gets the five talents, for me... He is Mr. Impeccable. The one who gets the two talents, he's Mr. Impressive. And the one who gets the one talent, he is Mr. Immature. So we see Mr. Impeccable with his five talents, verses 16 and 20. He gets to work at once. And one I really like about him is he isn't arrogant. He isn't arrogant about the amount of talents he's been given compared to the others. His focus is solely on what he's received and how he can use them to best advantage for his master's kingdom. He could have lounged around and basked in the glory of the praise coming from others. Can you imagine it, can't you? Oh, what amazing amount of talents you've been given. The master must have marked you out for something really special. You must be a wonderful person to have been entrusted with all those talents. Instead, he remains humble in spirit and devoted to serving his master. Now let's get another thing clear about this. Some people seem to think that the talented person has an easier life than those who are not so gifted. Not a bit of it she or he has the greatest responsibility of all. Why? Because God expects to see all those talents being used to the full. Luke 12, 48, Jesus says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. So, person with more talents doesn't have an easier time. But Mr. Impressive, the servant with the two talents, I have to say, impresses me even more than Mr. Impeccable. Because, you see, Mr. Impressive doesn't moan. He doesn't moan that he hasn't been given five talents. He doesn't stand around saying, unfair, unfair. I've only been given two. He's been given five. He doesn't believe that that means that the master loves him less or thinks less of him. He's grateful for the talents he has. And he understands that he's been given responsibility within his capacity. None of us can say that we've been given abilities that we can't handle. God's made sure we've got what we can cope with and what we can handle the problem is, are we doing it? Are we handling it? Are we taking that initiative? He understands that. And so he's content. doesn't compare. He's content with what he has. And he sets about using his two talents to bear fruit for the Master. Look at verses 17 and 22. And I have to say what a wonderful example I think he is to all of us. His love for his Master doesn't depend on what he's given him. He loves his master just the same. And he's just as keen to serve him as the servant with the five talents. He's not jealous. He's just zealous. Well, I'm going to say that again. He's not jealous. He's got 5 two. He's zealous. I want to serve my master with everything I've got. Everything He's given he realised that it's not what we've received that matters. It's how well we use what we've received that counts. Now I wonder if we've grasped it. Have we grasped it? If not, do you know what? We're hampering. We're hampering the growth of the kingdom of God. And we're also hampering our own spiritual growth and development while we're at it. And if we're taking that long attitude. Notice particularly the significance of what happens when he is called to account. Mr. Impressive. The master says the exact same words to him, word for word. You notice in the Power of the Talent, it says it again. It doesn't say he says the same thing. It spells it out. Word for word. He says the exact same words to him as he'd done to five talented Mr. Impeccable. Look at verses 19 to 23. Same commendation, same reward. Despite the six talent difference, despite the sixth talent difference, he's done just as well. Despite the six talent difference, He's done just as well. The Master appreciates his initiative. He appreciates his sense of responsibility. And he appreciates his faithfulness of service. And now, of course, we come to the third servant, Mr. Immature, who provides us with a complete contrast. Could be more different to his second. So he does compare himself with others does Mr. Immature and he finds they've been given more talents than he has, verse 18. What effect does this have? The exact opposite of what it should have. The exact opposite of what we saw with Mr. Impressive. It turns him against the Master and he makes him very bitter towards him as we hear when he's called to account. You can just... Squeeze the bitterness out of his response. And he's called before the Master. He's not content with what he's been given. What does he do? Digs a hole in the ground and buries it. What an example this sermon is to all of us. example of the wrong attitude immaturity of his response is plain to see in a number of ways. He reacts totally, totally the wrong manner to being given less talent. You see, his love for his master does depend on what the master has given him compared to others. You know, does our love for our, our God depend on how many of our prayers he answers? Can I say, God? Never ever answer a single all one of my prayers for the whole of the rest of my life. It won't make the slightest bit of difference to how much I love it. That's, what we, that's what we're dealing with here. What does my love for God depend on? Is it swayed by these kind of things? You see, he does jump to the conclusion that the master doesn't love him as much or think as much of him. And this, of course, brings out the three Ds that we can all get into if we're not careful if we go down this path and the three D's are these discouragement disillusionment which lead us ultimately to disobedience discouragement disillusionment disobedience, Are you want that path this morning? if so repent, you know what repent means don't you turn around and walk, walk back again walk the other way I can imagine muttering to himself, well, if that's all he thinks of me, I don't see why I should bother As he storms up with a spade in his hand and jealousy in his heart. Instead of treasuring the gift that he's been given, instead of treasuring that bag of gold, instead of treasuring that one thing that he can do and is good at, he's come to despise it to despise it, Buries it. Now the question is, are we seemingly immature? If so, we're robbing God. We're robbing God of a vital contribution to the work of his kingdom. And at the same time, we're robbing ourselves. We're robbing ourselves of the fulfilment that comes from serving the Master. When he's brought to account, He's impudent and he's impenitent. Two more eyes to get you going. He's impudent and he's impenitent. He maligns the character of his master in an impudent attempt to blame him for his own inaction. Look at verse twenty four. It's your fault, he says to the master. Praise cheek of him. He's arrogant throughout the conversation. Showing neither remorse nor repentance. He seeks to justify his lack of initiative. To justify his irresponsible attitude. To justify his faithlessness of service. By saying that he lives in fear and dread of the master. And so it's all the master's fault that he's hidden his talent in the ground. He's got nothing to show for the trust that was placed in him. Look at verse 25. So saying, what does he do? He dumps the soiled, unused talent down in front of the master. There you are. It's yours. Take it back. The master calls him wicked and lazy. Wicked because he sought to blame the master, who's altogether good for his response, which was altogether sinful. Lazy because the servant had made no effort to use his talent. He didn't even bank it to accrue interest. What would have happened, do you think, if Mr. Immature had made just one more talent and brought two to the master? What do you think would have happened? Well, I know what I think would have happened. I think the words spoken to him and the reward that he received would have been identical to those experienced by the other servants. That's what I think would have happened. Instead, his only talents be taken away from him and given to the servant who has 10 talents, verse 28. This is so that the talent will be actually used and not wasted as it has been up to now. It's a case of use it or lose it. Verse 29. And the punishment, the punishment that he receives underlines the seriousness of what Jesus is teaching us through this parable. Teaching us that we are accountable to God for the way we use our abilities. And if we don't use them, what we're being taught here, it seems to me, is that there will come a time when no further opportunities present themselves and others will be used to fulfill those tasks. And we will then experience the darkness. We'll experience the darkness of knowing that we've failed God by not using the talent he entrusted to us. Look at verse 30. And I just wonder this morning, is remorse and repentance, may be required on our part. You know that before the Lord. Now, as if to set the record straight, the New Testament does contain the story of someone who had only one talent, but actually reacted in totally the opposite way to Mr. Immature. And her name was Dorcas, or Tabitha. And you can see her story in Acts 9, verses 36 to 42 got time to go into all that story except to say that her one talent was that she could sew. That was the only thing she could do well. She could sew. She could use a needle and thread. And she used that talent and you know she transformed the community she lived in with her needle and thread. She made clothes for the poor. And the not so poor. She made clothes for everybody. And you know when she died, the place was packed with people and they were all bringing along items of clothing that Dorcas had made for them. She'd had such an impact on their lives. And she stands as a lovely example of how God will honour and bless the ministry of any person who's willing to use whatever talent they've received from God in his service. And here's something that always makes me smile. And I think it's very, very profound and very interesting. When you consider that it was Dorcas, not any of the apostles who had the amazing experience of being brought back to life. Do you see how important God saw Dorcas and what she was doing in that church? More important than Peter and all the rest of them. It's just mind-blowing when I think about it. He was brought back to life. So she continued her one-talent ministry. What a wonderful contrast she is to Mr. Immature. She is Mrs. or Ms. perhaps I should say, Mature. She got it right. She said, there's only one thing I can do do it with all my soul and heart and strength. And I'm going to use it to minister to as many people as I possibly can. I'm sure she, 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 all the things she could do is to make cakes. She would be making cakes for everybody, every week. You know, just using the talent that she has got. Like daughters, Let's be faithful. Brothers and sisters this morning, let's be faithful in our service for the Master, with the abilities that He's given us, never mind what He's given to anybody else. They're not your responsibility. It's what God's given you. You are to take the initiative with what you've got and be responsible for using what you've got. To use those abilities in the situation where He's placed us. May i tell you something. What God's going to say to you. And God's going to say to me, well done, good and faithful, sir. Let's pray. Lord, forgive us for the times that we've looked at others and been jealous, and it's just made us feel insignificant and inferior. Thank you, Lord, that your word is telling us this morning. You are not insignificant, you are not inferior, you are not less loved, you are just as important. I have a ministry for you with those gifts, or even just that one gift that can bless others and can prosper my kingdom. Lord, some of us need to express remorse and repent for our attitudes, and we do that now before you. We ask for your forgiveness, Lord. And we ask, Lord, that you will empower us as we seek to use the talents and abilities, Lord. if we're struggling to identify what they are, Lord, just reveal them to us we pray. We thank you, Lord, that we can all do something. We have all got some ability and some talent. Perhaps we don't even recognize us being such, but it is. And I pray, Lord, that you will help us whether we have many talents or whether we have few, to dedicate them to your service, to not bury them in the ground, to not leave it up to somebody else, but to take the initiative that you call us to do and to bear the responsibility that you have given us. So Lord, that when we stand before you one day, we will be able to say, Lord, thank you for what you gave me and thank you for what you allowed me to do. So, far, bless us as we contemplate these things, as we allow them to sing into our hearts. Please use us this week help us and give us opportunities to use the talents that you have given us. But we ask it in your precious name. Amen. 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 Thank you all so much for your kind attention. Bless you all. Thank you, Ray, for... Challenges enough, challenging us and encouraging us all at the same time uh, with our